Welcome to the Future Now Media Podcast, where we believe a future now is a future one. I'm your host, Peggy Kim, and I'm the founder and president of the Future Now Media Foundation, which is a nonprofit leadership incubator for the media and entertainment industry. In this podcast series, we'll be talking to some of today's top industry leaders, executives, and professionals. We'll also hear about their personal and professional career journeys, what makes them tick, how they got to where they are today, and what they've learned along the way. And we'll also share some of the best content from our Future Now live events. So stay tuned. Today's episode features a panel discussion at one of our Future Now leadership talk and networking events in Atlanta, and it's moderated by one of our Future Now alumni, Sierra Porter. Sierra graduated from Georgia State University, and she's a freelance journalist who writes for Rolling Out, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, and Atlanta Voice. She's joined by our four panelists, Tiffany Watson-Johnson, who is a special project manager for the Atlanta Mayor's Office of Film and Entertainment, Turner Network's Quincy Johnson, Vice President of Distribution Technology, Strategy, and Integration, Cassidy Buck, a talent and university relations specialist at Cox Media Group, and Taylor Owenby, a producer and founder of Cinema Park Studios, which is a film and television studio and incubator in downtown Atlanta. The panelists talk about how to break into the industry, what companies are looking for when hiring, and they also take questions from the audience. Take a listen. So I want to know, um, as a millennial, sometimes we tend to have, want to have instant gratification. So we see people in their careers and they're doing amazing things, but we don't realize the journey that they took to get to where they are. So how did you guys get to where you are today? So I started at Turner as an intern. I was um, a sophomore at Georgia Tech and my advisor knew one of the engineers, actually the chief engineer at Turner. So long story short, short, I was able to get a meeting, sit down with him, and they brought me on board. And so I started off, um, this is way before you guys' time, but this was, we, so before there was WWE, there was WWF, and then there was a competing wrestling federation called WCW. Uh, so I, would, I was ordering telephone lines for WCW events across the country. So if it was in Greenville, South Carolina, if it was over at the, uh, I guess the Omni at the time, geez, I'm really showing my age. Um, but yeah, so I would bring in phone lines and, and then I, I would work, spend other, the other part of my time as part of this internship part-time job um, working in our uh, incoming feeds group, which we would bring in satellite feeds for various events, whether it's Braves baseball if they're on the road or if they were local, NBA games that aired on our networks, wrestling events, as I mentioned. So we would bring in the satellite feeds, QC them, quality control test them, and make sure they were okay, and then route them to the right control room for production and for playout, for, um, for, for broadcast. Um, I did that for about two and a half years while I was an undergrad, and when I graduated, I started on as a project engineer at Turner. Um, when, I, when I think about my career, the instant gratification part, it's easy to be overwhelmed when you start off, right? Everybody around you has been there three, five, ten years. They know everything about the business, and you can, you can, it's not so much about book smarts. A lot of it's experience. You've been there. You've built stuff, and you just have the knowledge. Don't, you can't be overwhelmed by that. You have to figure out a way to identify different milestones of success. Like, okay, I'm gonna learn about this system and I'm gonna set a goal for myself. Setting goals and accomplishing those goals are ways of um, having little bitty pieces of success as you're growing. And then, um, then the next thing, and I didn't learn this until I was like five or six years into the, my career, is so important to network. 
um, we've had interns come into Turner and one one student was like his first day, he was emailing me, setting up meetings with me. I'm like, how'd you even know who I was? But he talked to somebody, saw me somewhere, and he set up a meeting, and we're having lunch his first week. So it's like a 10-week internship the first week. Most students wait until like week nine, or like, oh my gosh, I gotta meet people. You know, I'm doing my job, I'm getting paid, it's great. But I'm at the end, and I don't know anybody here. And that's not, the. it's one to get paid, that's great. Get the experience of what you're actually do, but getting the network is so critical to an internship. And if you, if you don't walk away with a bunch of people that you know and you can reach out to and you can connect with, um, that's, that's a missed opportunity. So I'm not sure if I answered your question, but... Um, no, you talked okay. about <laughs> <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop there. <laughs> um, for me, I started um, not working in film, but I actually started in sports. So graduating from undergrad here at Clark Atlanta University, um, Hey. <laughs> Find a way to make one. Oh. Um, a long, long time ago, um, I actually graduated from Clark with a degree in psychology, way far away from what I'm doing now. Um, later on to move to Miami for graduate school to work on my master's in sports management and marketing. So I started out in sports. My first job was actually with the Miami Dolphins. Um, I took a job that nobody wanted. Um, they posted jobs up at school and everyone was going for all the fancy marketing, PR jobs, which of course that's what I wanted to do, but no one wanted to job in records and was records. I'm like, ooh, I'm gonna go for that one. So actually took the job, got the job, and it offered me the opportunity to interface with everyone in the company. So every day I got to go and talk to the president all the way down to the trainer in the, in the room. So um, from there, I got a job offer at the University of Miami um, as assistant director of sports marketing and um, promotions. So before graduating, I had a real job working for the University of Miami, D1 school, football, men's and women's basketball, and baseball. So I had an opportunity to touch all sports. My boss left there, so what he said, networking is key. So my boss left there, um, I graduated, came back to Atlanta for about six months, couldn't find a job. Um, being an African-American woman in sports is really hard. So couldn't find a job, but my boss called. He actually left UM and went to the 49ers. So he called and he said, hey, you found a job yet? I said, no, you want a job? I said, sure. He said, come on. <laughs> so I literally packed up, moved to California, um, and then became, started working in marketing and promotions with the 49ers. Um, stayed there for a year and a half, got sick, so I had to come home. Came back and I went to the agency side. So then I started doing brand marketing and activations for two, three years. Um, that was really cool. Got an opportunity to learn a lot about what you see at all the games, at major events. They're activating the brands, they're giving you samples, learning the ins and outs of that business and how much money you guys can make from just going out on tour with the brands. So I had an opportunity to manage those projects for two to three years. Um, and left there, started my own agency uh, for about two years, and then I got a call from Big Boy Outcast, like, hey, can you come manage me? So, yeah, sure. So I went on to his team, <laughs> and I co-managed him for six years, um, and that gave me an opportunity to jump over to the music side, and then film and TV, because he was doing both. And so for six years, I co-managed him on the music and film and TV side, so I got a little burnt out because it's a lot of work. Um, and then I left there to actually start my own nonprofit, which I work with youth, um, kind of teaching them about all the things that I experienced in my career behind the scenes of sports and entertainment and giving them an opportunity to you know, garner exposure 
to the industry. Um, and then still have that, but then I got a call three years ago from my friend now saying, hey, I'm going to go take the director job at the, for the mayor's office for entertainment. You want to work? Yeah, so, <laughs> so now I'm the special projects manager for the film and entertainment. So I will say relationships are key. Um, I really never interviewed for a job, only the one job at the Dolphins. Um, all of my jobs have been, hey, you want a job? So make sure that you take advantage of these opportunities when you have us here, stay in touch. Even if we don't call you back tomorrow, we'll call you back. Um, just stay in touch and just build your relationships. Okay. Yeah, so mine is a little different. Um, I'll start from when I moved here into Atlanta because I kind of, I had a, um, when I first graduated from college, I honestly didn't really know what I wanted to do. <laughs> I switched my major my junior year and um, so I tried a few different things and moved to Atlanta with the intention of um, going to grad school to get my uh, master's in marriage and family therapy. Um, I'm obviously up here and y'all aren't therapists or counselors. <laughs> so um, once I did graduate with my master's in marriage and family therapy, I had the opportunity. Um, that was, um, I did that program in a shorter period of time and um, it was also um, heavy work working with uh, people through their challenges and problems and so I wanted a time to kind of disconnect before jumping in and I had the opportunity to uh, jump on board with Chick-fil-A Corporate here in Atlanta and uh, work with their TA team. And um, with the um, kind of work that I was doing there, I started to panic because I was like, oh God, I spent all this money on this degree and um, I'm loving the work that I'm doing now. How do I kind of problem solve or, uh, you know, is there the opportunity to, you know, do both or, you know, so I kind of had to work through um, the direction that I wanted to take there. Um, from that point, um, I uh, actually had an opportunity with Fiserv. Um, it's out in Alpharetta. They're um, kind of they're a tech company, and I had the opportunity to do recruiting coordinating. Um, and so that kind of got me into the recruiting field. I was uh, working with managers in different parts of the business. Um, and then shortly afterwards, um, it was a contract opportunity. And so shortly after, um, I found this a similar role at Cox. Um, Again, through someone like um, the other panelists had said, um, through someone that I had known. So networking has definitely taken um, uh, its hand in my career path as well. Um, and so as a coordinator at, um, at Cox, um, I started to take on different projects. I supported um, different parts of our divisions. Um, so if you're not familiar with Cox, it's kind of like an umbrella and coming down from Cox Enterprise is Cox Media Group, which I'm now at. And then there's Cox Auto, which is like Kelly Blue Book, Mannheim. Um, and then there's Cox Communications, which is uh, more of the cable internet provider. So um, in this role, I got to touch different parts of our divisions. Um, and I also got to support our exec team. Um, through that experience um, with one of the recruiters that I worked with, um, she moved into the early career space, which I'm now in. And so um, uh, I, I moved my way to support Cox Auto as a technology-focused recruiter. Um, 
and then moved into this role um, because of, again, someone that I knew um, to be able to manage our early career programs. And so um, through the role that I'm in now, um, you know, like the others, uh, networking was definitely a piece. Um, I tell students all the time, um, the different people that you're working with, um, whether it be an internship or your first role out of school, um, that's the opportunity for you to really show that individual why you're their next hire, even though they don't have a head count now. So, um, uh, and I, I think that I really started to kind of take that on when I, when I got to Cox and was, um, equipped to grow and kind of figured out my pathway, um, and absolutely love what I do now. Cause I get to help, um, students kind of find their career path as well. So, um, that, that was my journey, which is a little different. <laughs> I definitely played around with a few different ideas, um, at the beginning and um but I, you know i think networking um definitely played a part as well as just uh once i found my sweet spot and what i enjoyed doing really um using that opportunity to network internally and um show people even if it was short-term projects why i could be an asset to their team so um, just making the most of uh, those little opportunities as well um for just about as long as I can remember, I knew I always wanted to work in entertainment. Um, growing up, I thought uh, it would be as a performer. I worked as a child actor, did a lot of theater work. Um, I did some television work and commercials. Um, but by the time I got old enough to start thinking about college um, and was finishing up at high school, uh, we didn't have funding uh, for our theater program. Um, and since I was finishing up early, that would be my last year, uh, you know, in like grade school before college. So, you know, I, that wasn't acceptable to me. So I w went around town um, and spoke to all the bankers and uh, business owners uh, and uh, basically raised uh, all the money for the theater program um, and didn't know, uh, you know, basically offering ad space in the programs for 500 to $1,000 a pop and I sold like 50 of them. Um, so it's like 25 grand. Um, but, you know, no one told me that that was what a producer does. Um, back at that time, but I did enjoy that. So fast forward, I'm in college, and uh, I really don't like the theater program, but all my friends are advertising majors, so um, they convinced me to take a class, and I loved it. Um, you know, being able to uh, create campaign ideas. Um, I went to the Savannah College of Art and Design um, after uh, doing some undergrad at Georgia State. And um, at SCAD, they have you work on real client projects. Uh, the school has relationships with various corporations, so I was able to actually design campaigns. Shortly before my 19th birthday, I opened up my favorite magazine down there, and they actually ran an ad I created at school in the front page and in the middle page spread of that magazine. So I was like, okay, you know, this isn't that hard. Um, so. Um, after college, I uh, moved to Atlanta from Savannah, gave myself a year to make it in entertainment or I was going to join the Air Force. 
um, or work for an ad for ad firm, but I was leaning towards Air Force uh, for whatever reason. Um, <laughs> I think just because if, uh, you know, my whole life, my family, you know, uh, where I come from, they said, you'll never make it in film. You'll never, this is crazy. You'll never, ever make it. My dad, like, looked at me in my eyes, swore, like, it was like, his life on it, I would never make it in film. And so, you know, I figured if I couldn't forge my own way here in Atlanta in a year with all of my past experience and education and yada, 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 then maybe I need to learn some discipline and learn how to follow in my life because my compass is off. Um, so shortly after I got here, um, I landed an internship uh, and started working as a production assistant on uh, various television programs uh, and then worked with the film festival. Eight months into that internship, I was given the opportunity to partner with that organization I was interning for, as well as to open up my own company and uh, represent clients on the PR and marketing side. Um, so. Uh, uh, an actor named Bill Cobbs, who's very well known and respected, uh, just basically asked me to name my own price to go with him to Nashville on a film job. And that launched my career. Um, and it was because I had an internship and I was networking and I worked really, really hard at this film festival that this actor said, okay, like, what are you about? What do you do? You know? And then he trusted me to, you know, go do that. And um, I think one thing that's very important to consider, you know, on top of, I think, what everyone here has hit a resounding message saying, you know, network and do your internship. Don't forget about meeting people and building those relationships because in this business, you know, everyone says it's who you know I, I think it's 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 more than that it's who knows you and what they think about your work so you have to force those relationships and present the best of yourself and what you can uh, what you can do in order to be trusted to do it and then number two I, I would really say don't be so uh dead set on a certain thing um here in, in the media industry they're like just sitting right here are so many varied skill sets and experiences and you know jobs that could be done. What I do every day, what she does and he does and she does every day, completely different, I think, in a lot of ways. And so you never want to limit yourself into what you can do with, the, with this business. Really try to explore that and take opportunities as they come. Don't be scared to branch out. So, so while we're talking about networking, I want to kind of stay on that topic. So how can students effectively network at this particular point while still in school, or even if you're a recent grad? Um, so students will typically reach out to me, and whether it's a busy time or not, I try to get back to them as quickly as I can. And one of the, um, one of the ways that I find it meaningful to connect is just like, um, a quick phone call or, or even um, like a coffee chat. Um, even m my leadership encourages us to kind of do that internally is just grab a coffee with someone else that has a role that's different than your own just to connect and to learn and that sort of thing. And so um, although that's not ideal all the time because um, <laughs> people are busy and they have, um, you know, other tasks or deadlines depending on, you know, their job functions because of my role and that I work with early career folks, 
you know, that is something that I'm able to, to do. And so being able to just kind of sit down and, um, and talk about opportunities, um, or just explore, you know, um, people's career paths or, um, you know, and, and using that opportunity of saying, oh, in addition, who else should I connect with? Um, would you mind providing me with an introduction? You know, uh, being able to take each, um, relationship that you, um, that you build to connect on LinkedIn and, um, ask for um, almost more information about um, other individuals um, that they would recommend um, you connecting with. So um, it sounds simple and sometimes it's not, uh, you know, ideal, um, but, you know, to set aside that kind of time, but um, knowing that that won't be the case for everyone. Um, but I do find those kind of connections meaningful um, to be able to connect or point people in the in the right direction of who else they should um, connect with in, within the company or if you're wanting to explore a certain um, department or group or job function, you know, being able to um, uh, point students to those individuals that are experts in that field. So should I answer that question? Yes. Right. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about I would say um, take advantage of opportunities like this. Um, research, find out about conferences, volunteer for film festivals. They're always looking for volunteers. Um, when you volunteer, you get an opportunity to meet everyone. Actually, you get an opportunity to meet more of the people that the participants can't meet because you're volunteering so you have access to them. Um, so I would say volunteer at the film festivals, research. There's tons. There's always conferences or workshops here. Um, those meetup groups I was googling one day and I saw oh you can there's a meetup group for everything um, research some of those and kind of go and see which one of those work for you find organizations like Stan TV mine there's tons of org organizations that really cater to you guys and try to find you opportunities and pair you with um, mentors there's a lot of mentorship programs here and when you go on and there's companies that you're interested in if their names are not on there and their email address ours everything about us is on the city um, website call find out what who's the person there see if you can get their email address send them an email again they may not respond that day but eventually they will um, just tell them what you're trying to do um, somebody will respond to you and again just network ask some of your friends your parents your parents, you'll be surprised of who your parents know. Um, oh, you right. guys, everyone thinks that their parents aren't cool, but then you get to talking and your parents are like, oh, that's my friend, I went to college with him. I went to college with him. So I've, I've had a lot of students come to me because their parents said, oh, go call Tavani. And then of course I know them, so I do whatever it is they need me to do, but tap into your parents too. The only thing I would add, um, this is great information, um, just, just know that you have something to offer to the relationship. Um, if you know producers at CNN um, could get in your head and figure out why you do or do not go to CNN.com to get news or go to CNN television, they would love to hear that. So feedback on why it works or doesn't work. Um, so it's a two-way it's a two-way relationship, and you all have a lot to provide to the conversation. So you know, don't 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 be there just to receive. 
figure out ways where you can help. And then don't be afraid to volunteer. To Volunteer is a good, good, good one. Um, come in and shadow um, their department, see if there's opportunity for you to come in for free. <laughs> and, uh, and just be willing to come in and work in evenings. You know, you might have to do the day job somewhere else and come in on the evenings, but um, that might, you may be able to turn it into something else. Um, you know, I second pretty pretty much everything everyone else said. Uh, the only thing I guess I would add is, you know, if, if you're looking at doing something like specific, like I want to be a camera operator or, for instance, I want to be a grip or an electrician, like look at, you know, the unions, you know, organizations like IOTSE for below the line crew you know, uh, the Producers Guild, if you aspire to be a producer, uh, the DGA track, if you're interested in uh, becoming a unit production manager or a director, um, and, and, and exploring the avenues, the mentorship programs and the conferences and the requirements that go into becoming, you know, a, a gilded or union member. Uh, within the industry that could be very important and then also you know there's organizations like the incubator here at Cinema Park Studios if you're interested in creating content then become a member um, also there's there's a variety of organizations right here in Atlanta um, that are also dedicated to supporting um, and incubating young content creators like the uh, Creative Media Industries Institute right down the street at Georgia State also offers programming and incubation opportunities. Um, a lot of the corporations here um, from like, you know, AT&T uh, to whatever, you know, they have incubators here, uh, not necessarily for every type of content or even every type of content creator, but there are things here to support you. And if you're into technology, I mean, there are, uh, you know, there are dozens of accelerators and incubators if entertainment technology is something you're interested in as well. So I would explore those options depending on what you're really um, interested in and, and looking up the requirements to get involved because those organizations can really set you up on a path um, to have a very, um, especially with the unions, have a very, um, uh, I, I won't say you'll get rich, but but you can make a very, very, very good living as a crew member working on projects here in Georgia if you're with the union. Okay. Let's go into uh, to a little bit more talking about mentorship. So for those who don't know, how, how do you find a mentor and how do you effectively have a relationship with a mentor? So um, at Turner, we have... Um, what we call business resource groups, employee resource groups, different companies call them different things. And I'm one of the co-chairs for a group we call Black Professionals at Turner. And we run a mentoring program. So we, we pair um, uh, employees with executives and they create a year-long um, relationship and they meet on a monthly basis couple times a month and we pair it we pair that with different workshops on personal branding um, we do strength finders myers-briggs a lot of different personal development um, um, tools and uh, leadership development skills so it's a it's a formal program that you apply for you get accepted in and you get paired so that's one way you can find um, 
I think it was mentioned before, there's some formal programs. Um, informally, you know, you can be, you can have mentors and they have no clue that, that you're, that they are your mentors. You know, you go have a meeting, you get a coffee with someone and you just start asking them questions and you call them two months later and, and, and a, after a year you've met with someone six times, they wouldn't even know you consider them a mentor, but they are a mentor. So um, it doesn't have to be this thing. Hey, Mr. So-and-so, you're the greatest in the world. Will you be my mentor? It doesn't have to be that way. You just, you identify, you see people from afar, you see what skill sets or, or roles that they have, you see that's something that you're interested in learning about, and you go um, and reach out to them. People love to talk about themselves, they like to talk about their experiences, and um, so definitely take advantage of that. The other thing is you might identify people, like I'm a, I've worked in corporate America at Turner my entire career, so you might see the SVP of this or the VP of that or director of that, and you think that's the person I want to be my mentor because that's where I see my career going. And you sit down with that person, and, and he or she, you just don't connect with. You don't have to force it. You know, this is a relationship you're building. So if that's not the right person, then you can move on and find the right person. So don't, you know, it's 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 not like it's always going to work. I was in a um, leadership development program, and my mentor uh, was in New York, based in New York, and I, um, he was assigned to me. So we met a couple of times, and it just kind of fizzled. And I just, you know, it just didn't work out. So it's like, whatever, just keep on moving. Um, the last piece of, when, when you have a mentor, a mentoring relationship, and you're the mentee, the last piece of things, information I would say is, you own the relationship. You right. can't wait for your mentor to call you and say, right. oh, aren't we supposed to meet? And, and um, or what do we, you know, don't come in and just sit down. And it's like, all right, you know, have an agenda, have things that you're trying to get out. It's life circumstances. You're trying to get a union job. You don't know how to get it. Get, talk, you have a topic to and bring to the conversation, and that's where you're going to get the most out of it. Well, he pretty much said what I was going to say. <laughs> I was going. That was the last. That was when I didn't know you were going to say that. I was going to say that, but yes, you do own the relationship, and don't get discouraged if you feel like, oh, well, I called her yesterday and she didn't call me back. Call me again. A lot of times, the person that you identify and you want to be your mentor, they have a lot of stuff going on, so it's not personal. Right. And they really, really want to help you, and they probably need your help, but they're so busy they can't tell you that. So don't be afraid. Don't think that you're being a pest or that you're bothering someone don't be afraid to keep calling keep texting keep emailing like hey I'm just checking in because that day you check in and maybe the day that I'm like oh my god can you can I see you at four o'clock because I need you to help me do blah 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 that may turn into something that you never even expected so just don't be afraid to even ask. If it's somebody that you find some interest in, like he said, just say, hey, you know, I would like to meet with you. And if you want them to be your mentor, hey, I would like to spend some time with you because I want to learn. I like where your career path has gone. And nine times out of ten, like he said, people like to talk about themselves. They're going to do it because they want to talk about themselves and, they, and that makes us feel good too that like we've actually accomplished something because a lot of times we get lost in the sauce and some maybe people don't tell us that we're doing a great job and so we just feel like we're just working so don't yeah again don't be afraid to ask and take advantage of opportunities like this absolutely yeah i think um what you said to Fani about not being afraid to pester i think is super important like if you guys coming up in this generation and the people behind you, if you just commit yourselves to like 
just going for it and having initiative and staying with it, you're going to uh, like outshine and outdo 99.9% of your competition if you just keep calling that number you know, to get that mentor or sending those emails. Or if you're trying to get that job on that set, showing up at that production office like an insane person every single morning for four weeks, we'll probably do it. It really will because a lot of people don't have that kind of commitment. And, you know, sometimes it could be just the point that they want to get rid of you because you are more trouble than if they just brought you inside the building. You know, but but that is, you know, that that says a lot to any of us when we see somebody that's willing to really work hard for something and show that they care about it and that they're committed to it, because that's the one thing that I think most of your competition will not have is that commitment. So whether it's in the pursuit in, in the pursuit of your mentor or in the pursuit of your uh, you know apprenticeship, internship, or job, carrying that with you, I think is one of the big um assets you'll have starting your career yeah I, oh sorry go ahead oh no you're fine if you have something to add no you please <laughs> I, you know i think everyone kind of brought up um some good points um uh, you know i think finding a mentor is very important i think i would get um when it comes to tips on um you know, finding a mentor, I think what I would suggest to you all is finding a mentor is a little bit like dating. You're going to click with some people you're not, or like you're going to figure out that their journey or what they do isn't necessarily the kind of path that you want to go down. Not that that means anything. You can have completely two different functions and they can still kind of, um, uh, be a good mentor to direct you to uh, the kind of career path that you want or point you to resources and that sort of thing. But just know that it's a little bit a little bit like dating. Sometimes you're going to click. Sometimes you're not. Sometimes, you know, it's, you know, you're going to maybe have multiple, <laughs> you know, um, you know, multiple people that you can kind of tap into uh, when it comes to uh, resources or um, being able to learn from their career path. Um, and so um, another tip I think that um, I would offer is kind of um, just like you mentioned, um, be a little self-aware of some of the things that you want to work on so that you have that to present to your mentor. Um, ourselves, like Turner, we, ha we actually have a mentor program. So um, once you do kind of get settled in a job, uh, depending on the kind of company that it is, um, reach out to uh, learning and development or talent team. Um, they can probably direct you into uh, the group or the point of contact for their mentor program. Um, so sometimes uh, within the workplace, I feel like um, mentoring can be something that's um, facilitated through your uh, through your company, but then it can also be something a little bit more organic, like um, a peer that's been there, done that, been with the company longer. I would suggest um, uh, you know you to identify maybe someone. Not that age matters, because skill set can definitely outweigh that. Um, but I do think finding someone who's kind of uh, been there, done that, which does require years um, to identify as a mentor. So uh, those would just be a, a few different tips just to kind of build on what everyone else had mentioned, um, just to be able to kind of identify two different ways to find a mentor. You know, sometimes 
your company can facilitate that. And other times it can kind of be something that grows organically or someone on your team that you admire and are like, oh, I wish I could do such and such skill like them. And then, you know, you start meeting with them and it develops into something more. Absolutely. I was going to say one last go thing. Ahead, I, I think ahead. it was a reference, but you don't have one mentor. You right. have you can have multiple mentors. So, you know, it's not a one-size-fits-all relationship. Someone you might want to talk to about how to get promoted is not someone you want to talk about if you're having issues with your your wife or whatever so <laughs> so you know you have different men you have different mentors that can help you in different areas of your life so you want to you want to take keep that in mind as well absolutely yeah. now i want to talk about leadership because you guys are all leaders in your own way how did you become a leader did you you know we talked about mentors did you go through a training program how did you become a leader <laughs> um sure uh you know uh I guess that I did do some programs like growing up in school, like Boy State, and I was that kid that was the president of like all the organizations and SGA and student government and all that. Um, and so it was kind of just a natural fit for me. Um, in fact, I think, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of the opposite of, I guess, everyone here, meaning that I haven't really. Um, been I haven't interviewed for jobs and gone to work at like a place you know I had um I had one job at Georgia Public Broadcasting um and it lasted long enough for me to get offered a uh, a promotion uh with tenure after 10 years and I, I I didn't walk away from that I ran it scared me to death um and so you know maybe uh I, I, I don't know exactly what working in a corporate environment is like except for that nonprofit. Um, but I do, I, I have over the course of my career since college created my own opportunities. Um, you know, whether it's a production like, you know, I, I guess I didn't mention my producing career earlier, but that's what kind of helped led to Cinema Park. Um, you know, I, I wanted to, to, to try producing, and so I EP'd the first SAG New Media Project out of Georgia um, because that contract gave me a foundation of rules, and that launched my producing career. Like, I got to work in television, and then my last film, uh, we premiered at Cannes, and it sold worldwide. Um, but before that, it was just like, I'm just going to go do this. I'm, I'm not going to wait for someone to tell me, Taylor, you can be a producer. You know, Taylor, I'm going to you know, hire you as a producer. I'm just going to go do it and then show my work. That's why I say, you know, um, when it comes to your mentor uh, or, and, and when it comes to your chosen field, like the, the biggest thing that you can do is really show them what you're capable of, because I think that's going to help you create those opportunities. And I think once you get to the point where you're you're starting to prove that, being able to teach others, I think is the biggest, most rewarding thing you will have the opportunity to do in your career. When you get to the point where you're able to give people a, a hand up and to help create opportunities for them, and to help teach them how to pursue their dreams, I think it really becomes that much more rewarding. And I think that that's where the true benefits and I think the responsibility and the penalty of leadership really come in. Anybody want to chime in? Yeah, um, 
I love teaching others. I, you know, I think when you think of leadership and you think about that question, you're, you might immediately go to, oh, you're, you have a certain title and you have a, a whole staff of people working um, with you and under you. And that's not the definition of a leader. You can have a title, you can be a manager, but you may not be a leader. And I think being able to, like he was saying earlier, identify there's a need, um, put together a plan, go, to, go execute, rally people around you, um, bring them on board and have that group be successful. That's true leadership. And um, so how do you get leadership experience? I mean, for me, a couple of ways. I, there, there was a time when I was managing projects and influencing others, but I didn't have a staff. And I really wanted to grow in that, that skill in my toolbox, have a team that I manage and manage an operation. And just the opportunities weren't coming. You know, I, I, would, my, I would communicate that to my manager, my organization where they would they would reorg one person under me and reorg a second person, but it just it just wasn't it wasn't moving as fast to the point about an instant gratification. It wasn't moving as fast as I wanted to. So I started getting involved with different um, organizations. One group one organization is NAMIC, which is a diversity organization in the cable industry, and they have local chapters. They have chapters ac across the country and. I volunteered to serve on the board, and then over time, I became chapter vice president and president. So in that role, in the volunteer role, um, I was able to learn the skills of putting together a strategic plan, managing a budget, managing a team. And these are people that I, weren't, I wasn't paying. So it's even harder when you're not paying people. Like, you can get people to do stuff when they, when you, when you, when they get paid, right? right? And you're like, OK, I got to get paid. So. <laughs> Quincy's a fool, but I'm gonna do what he said because, but um, but the, and this, this is a volunteer, so it's even harder in a situation where you don't manage the people to to be a true leader. So, um, I look for opportunities where there's special projects or volunteer opportunities to grow skills that um, will help you know what it means to be a, a leader. And um, yeah, I think that's it. I think that was gonna say. <laughs> I want to go into a little bit of more personal questions. So for you, Taylor, what's the best career advice you've ever received? Oh, uh, <laughs> that's tough. You know, I, I, I'll give two, I guess, little antidotes okay. that I've gotten. One is from my late great-grandma who lived to be almost 100. I, you know, I asked her, uh, what's her secret? You know, she said everything in moderation, number one. And number two, it's important to stay busy. And um, I think staying busy is, is a huge part of success in this business. Um, again, you know, I uh, mentioned creating opportunities. If uh, a career in film and television is what you would like to do um, versus maybe a more secure even though none none of it's ever really secure a more you know structured route i wish i should say um you're going to always have to be busy um you know working on whatever your next project is going to be finding that project you know um if you're an actor you're always auditioning for the role you know if you're a director or producer you're always interviewing or looking for that next uh, project or inspiration uh, to start to build from and so I think that that's an important you know lesson don't look at Netflix every night you know don't hang out with your friends you know every night like and I you know maybe I'm weird but like I don't have a too much of a life now but especially back when I was getting my career off the ground I had no life I mean, I, you know, I, my photos were taken a lot at, at events, so it looked like I partied a lot, but you didn't see, you know, very rarely you saw a drink in my hand, 
Um, it wasn't, you know, I didn't go to parties. I went to like events where I could meet people that would help, you know, in some aspect of what I was trying to do. Um, so stay busy. And then, you know, number two, um, my first client, that actor, Bill Cobbs, you know, he, he's still working today. He was a, um, a cab driver in New York in his 40s before he got his start as a professional actor and appeared on screen. And so I want, you know, I guess I, I just want to leave that with you guys as well. Um, it doesn't matter uh, where you start uh, in this path. Um, you can never start too young and you can never start too late. Um, it, it's never about that. It's about when you make the decision to commit yourself um, to this path, and then at that point, it's just important to stay busy. Miss um, Johnson, now you started off in sports marketing, and then you went to be the co-manager for Big Boy for Outcast. Was that a risk that you took, switching from sports marketing to managing a superstar like Big Boy? Okay, you know, I'm an Atlan, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> say it was a risk. Um, I think that uh, the skill set that I acquired in the brand activation and marketing side helped me um, when I started working with him because as the manager, of course, you're responsible for, you know, their day-to-day -day and what's going on with the label. But because I had the marketing background, I was able to provide other opportunities to him and secure endorsements and just do things that a traditional manager couldn't do or did not do. So I wouldn't look at it as a risk. Um, I actually think that that helped me right. be able to become, you know, provide, be an asset to him. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Miss um, Buck, now with what you do, you work hands-on a lot with the interns. So what is it that you look for um, in potential interns or entry-level candidates? Yeah, I actually really like that question because um, you know, I get it often, and I think it's something that's very simple. I uh, There seems to be a lot of a trend at Cox with the managers. Not that any manager has mentioned this to me, but um, there is a definite trend for those self-starters. So, you know, um, an editorial kind of um, kind of role, um, you know, some someone that's you know, aside from internship, aside from whatever you do, coursework at your school, uh, being able to um, jumpstart a blog and maintain it for a certain pe period of years and have, you know, a certain amount of followers or, you know, someone that's kind of more in the video space, you know, some things that maybe you've done on your own and put on a YouTube channel, you know, so um, long story short, I think that, um, the moment that you kind of find your niche and know the direction that you want to go, being able to kind of think outside of the box of ways that you can use that um, and that those are resume builders. Um, you know, managers like to see those self-starters, um, not just, hey, I completed this coursework or this internship or had this opportunity on campus, um, being able to uh, maybe for your fraternity or sorority be able to uh, launch their social media platform and run it and have so many followers and you know have the data behind all of that so um, that seems to be a trend um, with um, you know within our company um, and I think it also just kind of shows 
um, a, a character piece as well is um, that those those individuals know what they're after they're hungry for it and they're driven in order to kind of take the opportunity um, that they have a you know in front of them um, to uh, sharpen their craft absolutely and uh, mr. Johnson I want to know what's the biggest lesson you learned on your journey to becoming a leader um, I think the biggest lesson you have to, the way you work, you, you, any interaction you have with someone, you want to leave them in a situation where they're, they're, they want to work with you again, or it was a good experience, right? Like, you may not have the answer to the question, but you go find it. You know, you follow through, you follow up. Um, you just want to just treat people right and treat them with respect and, um, and just be willing to help out. So I think uh, that's, that's kind of the biggest thing I try to do in my leadership. And anybody can take this, but this is a very competitive industry. So, how do how can students set themselves apart in this industry? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think um, Cassie said a lot of great stuff as far as you know being a, being able to show that you have initiative and you're willing to um, go above and beyond. I think for me, it's, it's being willing to be a team player. Um, I'm not sure how you show that in an interview, but like all those, the things that you have done and when you're talking about all the great things you've done, you somehow explain how you helped others or others worked with you and you were a team and you collaborated because um, I, 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 me, me, me type of person doesn't work well in the Turner organization and doesn't work well working with me. Um, I've had a... Re I shouldn't even go there, but I have, <laughs> I have folks on our team. There, I've seen many people in our organization who um, who wants to be the knight in shining armor, coming down and save the day. They hold back information just so that they can be the only one that knows empire building, and it just it may work out in the short term, but in the long term, it's it's just it, it'll lead to a lack of success. So I think that's the key: being able to work in groups and work well with others. Um, that's so important, and and. Especially, in, well, I'm sure it's true in all environments, but in corporate America, that's it's important. Okay. That's, oh, sorry. It, well, what you said, what you mentioned about I, 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 like even in your interactions, like in the interview, like saying things like we and us and together, like presenting ideas. I think when you're in an interview situation, like instead of walking in like I'm confident in the job, it's here are some my some of my ideas for this department. Here are some goals I'd like to achieve as a part of it. So, you know, and um, I, I coach a, a lot of people who do work for corporate America in uh, legal uh, and marketing jobs, and this works for them. And like time after time after time, so I know it's something that I'm sure your teams would respond to is just being you know that shows initiative from the get-go like what she's looking for right like in your extracurriculars like also apply that to the specific role that you want to go for like actually be entrepreneurial about it and say okay if this was my department what would I like to see happen and then visualize uh, what you could do in your role yeah be able to be innovative even in the interview of like this is what I could bring to your team not just like this is how I have to present myself in order to check mark every 
dot that's on the job description, you know, being able to say, hey, this is the job description and I can do these things, but these are some ideas or this is the way that I can contribute to your team or maybe even asking questions to kind of piggyback off of what he mentioned of, you know, I, I am a team player, you know, how does your team work together as a whole? What does that look like? Um, this does not answer your question, but I would encourage, I heard you mention it before, Strength Finders. Um, it is a book, and it, if you haven't heard of it, it has like a test in the back. This may be my psychological background coming out, um, but it is very, um, it increases, you know, self-awareness of, and it highlights your five strengths. And I will say it's very good for interviewing. Um, I actually interviewed an individual um, a couple of years ago, and when I asked them, you know, what's your strengths or what can you bring to a team, they actually mentioned their strengths. Um, so to kind of give you an idea, I'll share some of mine, but like there's one that's woo and that's like winning people over. So those are really um, extroverted people or um, like I'm a developer. So I like to develop, you know, plans of action or um, be creative in that space. And so those are things that um, if you take time to kind of go through the test, um, it, there's like a book that tells you um, more details about it. But that's something that you can use for um, interviewing or even resume um, to highlight, hey, these are some of my skill sets that's not just like, well, I'm a team player. I mean, not that that is <laughs> a good thing, but to kind of dig a little deeper into that. Like, I'm a developer. I like to be in roles where I can get my hands dirty or um, make something that looks a mess into something um, creative and I'm strategic. So um, I would say if you haven't heard of that resource, lean on it. You can get it off Amazon. Not like that sounds like I'm like making a plug for strength finders, but um, it is a really good resource for um, resume building as well as th that interview process. Okay. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me. Um, does anybody have any questions? Yes. Oh, oh, okay. My mic. Okay. <laughs> it's good. Hello, panel. Sorry about late interruption, but I'm Anthony Patterson. I'm actually a sports and news reporter for the Atlanta Voice newspaper here in Atlanta. Hey. I'm also a parliamentarian for NABJGSU at Georgia State University. My question pretty much can go to anybody on the panel, but you pretty much broke down. You want to see, you want to see your strengths. You want to see, are you? a developer, self-entrepreneur, and these things on a resume when you hire somebody. Uh, my thing is, I know you guys run, uh, it, is it is a competitive industry, and I know you guys run through tons of resumes and may find that in tons of people. What is the one significant thing that makes you say, that's the person for the job? Mm. Right. <laughs> I don't think there is any <laughs> I, You know, I think it, it's really just, it, it, you can't really quantify it based on, you know, if there is any person that does this one thing, they're going to get the job. It's more so, you know, it starts with the, the whole process of how you impress upon anyone that may employ you. So if the first thing that we ever see from you is your resume, 
Well, for me, when I look at a resume and I see, because I'm in the creative, right? You know, like I'm going to be looking for people who can help me make a film or run a campaign, most likely. Um, I, you know, I, I love it when I see a resume that has been designed uh, creatively, where there are, you know, even simple like infographics or icons that sort of categorize what their skill set is and makes it different. That to me, as a first impression, if you're giving me a resume as that first impression, that's going to make you go to the top of the pile for me. Um, and then, uh, you know, if, if it's an interaction personally, and that's when we're meeting for the first time, and that's your first impression, you know, it's really all about showcasing the fact that you are competent, that you are driven, and that you have a path um, that, that you care a lot about. And, you know, if that path uh, really fits well with the culture of the company, um, or even just that path fits specifically for a project really well, um, that's going to resonate with me. I, th I think with a, being uh, having a technology background, you know, the table stakes is that you have to know your stuff. If you're if you're a developer, you have to be a developer. You have to know, um, you know, what what's required of you and have examples and and have materials to share. Um, I think that's that's so important. You gotta. It's not just about talking your way through it. You have to know your stuff. And you know, at Turner, you know, we will put folks through technology tests and thing, things of that nature. So you need to be prepared. And and I think attention to detail is important. Um, you know, doing your research, understanding the role, um, and the way best way that shows up is in your resume. You know, you you don't have a generic general resume. You have a resume catered to the role, and that highlights the things that align with the role that you're trying to that you're applying for. So that's just the first. You know, one of the first things I think of. Yeah, to kind of echo on that, um, just working with students, this isn't necessarily something I look for that's like the winning resume kind of thing. But um, it's nice to have your LinkedIn on your on your resume, um, your non-school address, because even if it's two years from now, you know, once you graduate, you know, Clark or Georgia State or, you know, wherever you're um, a student at, um, you want people to be able to get in touch with you. And sometimes those expire or you just don't check it anymore once you reach a certain point in your career. And so um, I would say make sure um, you know, that that contact information is on there, um, as well as, you know, having several people, whether it be professors, friends, peers, you know, previous managers, uh, look over your resume, especially people that you've worked for. Um, you know, they could, you know, mention, hey, you, you know, you, you highlighted this, but this is something that you did that was remarkable and, um, you know, and obviously grammar, kind of, if you're, you know, <laughs> wanting to be like a reporter or, you know, or something of that nature, it's like grammar is going to be a really big deal. Um, it, you know, it, really in any role, but, you know, being able for um, as many eyes as possible. Um, I actually had someone come up to me at NABJ this past year and just want resume feedback. Um, and I thought that that was really smart just to be able to kind of take some time um, and use that opportunity to touch base with recruiters from different companies for feedback on, you know, and everyone's gonna have different preferences on like layout or, you know, should your, your technical skills be up top or at the bottom or where does education go? And you know, those kind of things, but using those opportunities to gain feedback, not to be long-winded. Mm 
Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Tony Benton Jr. I'm a senior at Georgia State, uh, also the president of the NABJ GSU chapter, uh, and I currently actually intern with WSB um, Cox Station. Uh, so my question is, you actually was running right into it, um, LinkedIn. I love using LinkedIn. Uh, what suggestions do you all have on using LinkedIn, things that may stand out to you, as well as things that people do that you wouldn't suggest uh, on LinkedIn? Great question. You guys can answer that because I'm just now starting to use LinkedIn. That's bad, huh? But yeah, keep it updated. <laughs> <laughs> and check your messages because I get a lot of messages. I never used it, and now I'm seeing that people are reaching out to me on LinkedIn. So I'm checking messages. So here's some advice that I may or may not keep do myself. So, um, <laughs> well, this one I do. It's not Facebook, so keep it keep it professional. Keep it recognize that you're putting your brand out there. I see some pictures of people at parties or their head, their headshot is just them taking a selfie with their, uh, I mean, it's like, it's like, that's not, that's not the brand you want to put out. Um, and when you're reaching out to someone, like when we meet today and you're, I'm going to evidently say, hey, find me on LinkedIn, just, you know, do fill out the blurb. That's the piece I don't do all the time. When I'm connecting with someone, I may not necessarily, but say, hey, I, I met you at the um, Future Now event. So you want to um, give that person that little piece to connect, connect back. And, um, but like Facebook and others, whenever you're at an event like this, you know, you just put content out there. Just throw stuff out there. It's like, hey, Quincy is the smartest executive I've ever heard speak on the panel. <laughs> and it was great. So. <laughs> So, you know, and, and just show how, just illustrate how you're, what you're doing and how it fits into what you're trying to get portray for the people who may be perusing your LinkedIn when they're looking at you as a potential candidate. So. Yeah, I have students reach out to me um, quite a bit. So um, some of the, well, and other individuals as well, some of um, the don'ts that come to mind. Um, I've actually had people director level reach out to me wanting, hey, can you tell me about this job? I'm like, obviously you haven't looked at my title because I work with early career. So being able to um, start, I mean, not that I wouldn't want to direct them in the right way, but being able to be um, like view over someone's profile or experiences or even the current role that they're in to ask the appropriate kind of questions um, and make sure that that is the person um, to reach out to. Um, and if not, that's okay. Who can, hey, you know, who, who would you recommend me reaching out to? That sort of thing. Um, I would say recruiters are your best friend on LinkedIn. So even if you haven't met them, um, they use LinkedIn as a recruiting resource um, from a lot of different companies. So like uh, you mentioned, keeping your LinkedIn um, you know, fresh and updated, because um, at this point in your career, um, your resume is like ever changing. So um, you know, when you do something, kind of log in on LinkedIn, pop it in there. Um, highlight pictures of, you know, projects or, um, you know, if you're working on a blog, I don't know why I keep going to that, but, you know, being able to highlight your blog posts or um, if you've participated on campus or, hey, follow our social media that, you know, that you're running kind of thing. So um, really think outside of just sharing articles or connecting, using that as a resource to um, and a platform for people to see the kind of work that you're producing. 
Yeah, like, and there's all, you know, for like crew jobs, there's things like staffmeup.com, et cetera, et cetera. And I think it's applicable to both. I mean, you know, we talked about resumes and interviews, and I think the other first impression or second impression that most employers are going to have is your social media imprint. And so uh, for any type of, uh, you know, corporate work and for a majority of uh, production work, I think you should have a dynamic page on LinkedIn. I think, you know, even looking at it and, you know, I, I guess having a little bit of a copywriting background, I'm maybe particular about it, but I think having your headline and your bio, everything should grab and hook the viewer and it should clearly communicate and add your photos too. like clearly communicate an image and a brand of who you are and what you're about. Um, I, I think if an employer can look at your LinkedIn page and really figure that out in a matter of seconds versus seeing a bunch, uh, you know, unclearly related work experiences, um, you know, nonlinear trajectory or past, you know, that's going to be very confusing. Make sure it's dynamic and make sure it communicates a very clear path. I think that'll be very helpful when you're trying to get a job. Awesome. I'll say one more thing. Uh, are you going to say something? No. Oh. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, the skills um, on LinkedIn, there was a time, like, I, you know, you put on skills and people will endorse you on, for particular skills. Sometimes you'll see skills that you don't necessarily want to highlight. Not that it's bad, but you're not, it's not aligning with where you are in your career. So you can, there's a way to manipulate those and move them around so that you can move up. Like di if I was in linear technology and now I'm in digital media or digital advertising, I want people to promote me for digital advertising so, and I want them to see that. So uh, you can de-emphasize that. You can also ask for recommendations. So I would highly recommend, oh sorry, I would highly recommend when you finish an internship or um, special project, using that as an opportunity to, you know, mention to someone, hey, do you mind if we connect on LinkedIn or, um, and if so, would you mind if I sent you a recommend, you can actually send a recommendation request, like, hey, would you mind recommending me? And that allows for people that you've worked with to give you feedback at the bottom of your profile, which is really great for recruiters to see that as well. So I want to, uh, we're going to have to wrap it up, but, but most of the panelists will be able to stay back to do some networking, have some networking time with you. But I want to first, let's thank our <laughs> panelists and Sierra. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Future Now Media Podcast. You can also follow us on our Facebook page, as well as on Instagram and LinkedIn. Till next time, I'm Peggy Kim. And remember, a future now is a future one.